Ali, the founder and CEO of netwomen.co, where we inspire, support and include women from all over the world to get to the top. Our mission is to close the gender gap and have that 50-50 gender split and also a level playing field. I'm also the CEO and founder of Mindset by Pinky, where I help people overcome anxiety, imposter syndrome and limiting beliefs through NLP and hypnosis to break the glass ceiling. Every month, we'll be bringing you our latest updates from netwomen.co and our community. We'll also be chatting about stories we found particularly newsworthy, giving our opinions on them. We will have a variety of speakers joining me every month from the NetWomen community and having conversations that we don't normally talk about. And today, we have the amazing Sarah Burns, who is the founder of We Diversify, and Head of Events and Partnerships at Women in Tech. Delighted to have you here, Sarah. How are you? Hey, Pinky. I'm good. I'm good. I mean, this is my first podcast, so I am feeling the nerves a bit, but we're all good. I'm excited to talk to you. Me too. Really excited. And also, we're so excited to have you as a partner of netwomen.co. Women in Tech has just recently partnered with Women in Tech, and it's so exciting to see so many women jumping on board and and really using both sides of our um, amazing communities. So tell us a little bit more about where you are, where you're based, and uh, how you got to where you are today in 30 seconds or less. 30 seconds or less, I will try my best. So I am based in London, um, originally from Leeds, so you can probably sense the northern twang. Um, In terms of where I got to today, I've had quite um, a big journey, I would say. I started my career after university, actually looking to get into marketing. And it was probably the point where I was looking at marketing. I was trying to get on the graduate schemes and I couldn't complete the maths test. And I'm going to be completely upfront with that. Um, I'm quite smart. I'm going to say that, but I found the maths test really hard and I just couldn't get through it to the graduate process. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to try and do a bit of work experience. So I was actually a brand ambassador on campus for Teach First. And that's where I decided to actually go into teaching. So I started Teach First and I was teaching technology, IT, to a secondary school in Tottenham. It was a secondary school where the majority um, didn't speak English as a first language. Um, I remember getting there and the GCSE class I had at first had, there were two girls in it. It was majority teenage boys, there was two girls. I think I'm about five foot two. Um, So I remember there was a point where people used to open the door and ask where the teacher was. And I think I was shorter than most of the students. Um, But it was a really great experience. I think that was probably the first sense I had into kind of diversity and really women in tech. And there I started to, you know, do things like girls computing clubs. And I managed to kind of boost the rate of girls that were taking on STEM subjects from when I arrived to after I'd qualified. Um, At that point, um, when I'd qualified, Teach First have loads of amazing partners. And I just felt like potentially I could do more outside the classroom. I love teaching, but I just felt like I wasn't sure that that was what I wanted to do forever. So I moved on to Accenture and management consulting. Really loved it. Had a great time. I think it's one of the most phenomenally diverse cultures that really embrace women. You know, I had leaders who were women, who were really, really strong, who had families and sort of almost did it all. And it showed me that that was possible. 
um, there was a point in my personal life where I thought um, I was working quite hard. I knew the Wagamama's menu off by heart for the evening. I was working until like 11 p.m. And I think my next project was potentially in Mongolia. And I just thought, you know, I was getting married and I thought, I'm not sure if the consulting life is for me. I'm going to take a bit of a career break. And I kind of accidentally fell into recruitment. And that's sort of where my um, journey really started and sort of where it's led me to today. And, um, you know, I've worked in a number of different recruitment firms. I've worked in, you know, big prestigious firms. I've worked in boutique firms and I've seen a mix of everything. You know, I've been a part of something where I felt the other and where it was majority kind of men who were leaders and I was the only woman. I've had places where, you know, I was the only Jewish person there. I was the only person that hadn't had been to kind of Harrow and Eton and public schools. And I think that, you know, some of the headhunting world, it's all about sort of, you know, the public school mentality. And, you know, I, I felt like that way. Um, I also found it really interesting that a lot of the searches that I had worked on, there was this drive to get more women in tech and more diversity, but it wasn't really clear on kind of how to do that. And it was kind of like, we want a woman, we want a diverse shortlist, but no one was really clear about what that meant to them. And I think it was kind of a bit of a, a turning point for me on my second maternity leave where I was really thinking, you know, how do I make a difference? How do I kind of measure up all the things that I've been doing from when I was kind of teaching and consulting and when I've been in recruitment and all of the things I found? And I came up with Rediversify. The idea actually I came up with in the bath, which <laughs> I know sounds quite funny, but I was just sort of thinking about, you know, what I could do to really make a difference. And I was thinking about how we could help diversity um, and I came up with the idea of really kind of measuring up and marrying up really um, the ability that recruitment now has that has kind of like AI solutions to make unconscious bias, you know, a real thing and make it that we can hire people without knowing much about kind of their age, their gender, their backgrounds. Um, but also using a headhunting experience, because I found that, you know, from doing a bit of market research, a lot of people who use pure AI, they weren't able um, to you know, get that headhunting experience where you have the conversations on the phone, you can actually assess fit. Um, because a lot of people can say things, whether it's on, you know, their CV or LinkedIn, and it's not until you speak to a person that you can really understand whether they're the right person for the job, whether they have the right experience. Um, it also shocked me that I think it's like 22% of tech directors are actually women. 11% um, of the tech sector workforce um, identifies having a disability, which I also found shocking because the tech sector is something, you know, which can be really flexible, which people can work from home. And I think that, you know, where the pandemic's been really hard, it's also shown people that, you know, there is the ability to work from home and there is the ability to, you know, help working mums who potentially have a schedule where, you know, they want to pick up their kids from school, but, you know, they also want to work. Um, and I think that, you know, while the pandemic has been hard, it's really helped people sort of understand that. And we diversify, we work with our clients to not just sort of do the recruitment for them, but it's helping them understand what it means to have a diverse workforce and helping them kind of unpeel the why and helping people stay as well. Because I think the most shocking thing is that I think 40% of unrepresentative groups are likely to leave their roles due to unfairness. And I think it's that there's not many um, procedures in place to support people once they join an organization and they're still feeling like sort of another. So it's kind of helping my clients recruit and retain. I love it. That was more than 30 seconds. That was really <laughs> long. I'm really sorry. <laughs> That's fine. I love it when uh, 
guests get in the flow and start talking about their lives and what they've been up to in their professional and personal lives and I think it's really interesting that you mentioned about getting the idea about we diversify in the bath because I most of my ideas come from when I'm in the shower or I'm in the bath and it's really interesting because I think it's a place where you can just completely relax your brain just goes into this moment of creation ideation and it's just so exciting because you can come up with so many great ideas in in these spaces and I always say make sure you have a notebook by the side of you because you want to be writing down these ideas to make sure that you put them into practice so tell us a bit more about the fact that you mentioned uh, recruitment you mentioned diversity and inclusion Mm -hmm. tell us a bit more about how you help recruitment companies with this because you mentioned AI and mentioned yes. the fact that you know that is an element but then there is no humanization with that you you don't really know until you meet the person so tell us more about that what's what's your idea around this so I basically partnered up with a great AI solution um, that are in America and they essentially um, do a lot of searching and a lot of sort of searching with unconscious bias so we can remove um, things from people's profiles so when we show them to um, our clients we can say you know we've got this person and it's sort of looking at someone based on their experience not looking at is it a woman? Is it someone who's diverse? It's actually looking at their experience. And, you know, we make sure that we do have a diverse shortlist as well, but then they're choosing the right person. They're not saying we want a woman because we want a woman. It's kind of making it worthwhile. Because I think that when people go into those jobs and it's they're going into a job because they're a woman, they almost sort of go into it feeling like, have I got this job because I'm amazing or have I got this job because I'm a woman? Um, And it's also, you know, for them, you know, them understanding, you know, it's not just that you need a woman, you need a woman, you need these diverse ideas, but you need the best person for the job. So it's looking at kind of the unconscious bias. It's looking at, you know, really making these profiles um, based on experience alone. It's looking at, you know, there are so many biases that come into play when you're even doing a search. So a lot of recruiters, firstly, they'll go to their networks. It's people they've met before or people they know of people, uh, people they've place before for example and then it goes to their kind of almost second degree connections and you know people who they know that they recommend as well as looking on you know the typical LinkedIn um, you know which obviously is amazing for recruiters Um, but also it looks beyond that so it tries to look beyond your second degree connections because typically in recruitment um, a lot of people that people potentially will place will be what we call like a like me type of profile where it could be somebody that you identify with and say actually this person's great for a job because um I know x y and z like they know x y and z and you know then you're not really getting to the essence of diversity especially diversity of thought and so it's kind of looking beyond your second degree connections to really kind of tap into areas where you know you haven't been personally and it makes the search a lot more diverse so it's sort of leveraging from you know diverse job boards it's leveraging you know from diverse referrals it's looking at kind of unconscious bias training um for people for the clients and for their recruiters as well and you know telling them how to manage diversity in the workplace so whether it's creating you know diversity friendly policies um looking at their employee benefits with them 
um, looking at kind of mentorships as well. And, you know, this is somewhere where I would recommend, you know, them coming somewhere like NetWomen, somewhere like Women in Tech, where, you know, these great places they can partner with and already have um, mentorship schemes and can really support people outside of an organization as well as inside of an organization. It's looking at, you know, building diverse teams and what that looks like. And it's not just about kind of what you see, it's about people's perspective, whether it's age as well, and, you know, looking at having a variety of opinions and how to really, you know, measure their efforts to see that they're successful and then kind of promoting diversity within. So whether that's through um, events and you know we'll help them with women in tech and I think that's how my role at We Diversify and Women in Tech work quite nicely hand in hand because I can work with my clients and kind of bring them through that diversity curve and almost take them and say you know come and join this speed networking event come and partner up with the likes of Women in Tech with NetWomen with our other great partners come and do an event with us where we'll get you a panel and you know you can get your um, kind of women leaders on that panel as well and they can feel like they got um I want to say a home but it's not home it's almost like support so they've got support internally and externally to help them really flourish yeah absolutely agree with that I love what you said about um what you're doing with CVs and recruitment going back on that do you think that uh maybe doing the CVs anonymously would be beneficial so doing a CV anonymously, it is beneficial, but then at the same time, you know, and that's where the unconscious bias side comes in. You know, we can get rid of people's names. We can get rid of the kind of he, she element where you kind of look at a profile. But there is a point in a recruitment process where it's really important to understand the person, because I think that, you know, employing a person isn't just employing a set of skills. It's also employing somebody who's going to, you know, come into your culture and add value on their different perspectives and add value you know financially as well because there is so many studies that say if you have diverse thoughts you will get more rewards financially and you know it's shown time and time again by boards that are more diverse as well so I think you know there is an element of kind of depersonalizing people's profiles but there's also an element of actually making companies understand what diversity means so that when they're recruiting people they're having um, a better process um, and they can understand where diversity of thought can come into play and actually meet the person behind the cv do you think that there's an element of tick boxing that goes on in organizations absolutely Absolutely. I've seen this so many times. I've seen it, you know, wherever people have kind of high staff turnovers, it happens. And I can understand in some companies why it happens. If you look at sort of startups and scale ups, they start with, you know, getting people who they really know to work with because they trust them with their business. And that's kind of almost how it starts, because you start to build a like me brand. And then as you're building up, you don't have time almost to do your own recruitment. So it's almost through referrals and through referrals of the people who work there. So then you're getting more kind of like me people. And then they get to the point where they think, oh, hang on, we're not diverse. We need to do something. But then they're almost ticking a box and they don't understand why they need to do something and how to support someone, and how to make sure that they sort of stay in the business and really reap the value of having diversity in their team. It's a really interesting uh, point there about tick boxing that we, certainly from what you're doing, a different angle, I guess, with netwomen.co, we're helping women who are at the top stay there, the sustainability part. 
and like you said if you feel like the other or you know the person that is the different one in the room you're less likely to stay because you feel like your opinions and what you're talking about is less valued and you're not heard you're not recognized you're not seen how do you with what you do help people stay where they are at the top so it's a really interesting point. And I think at the top, a lot of people are tempted, you know, to move roles based on diversity as well, especially if they're feeling like the other, you know, although they can add so much value to that business, they're looking at how they can add value to, to a business, but also feel a part of it. And I think it's really important. And that's where inclusion comes into play. So that's where we'll look, you know, work with the clients to look at their inclusion policies and look at how they support people internally, looking at, you know, as I said, you know, the employee benefits, like how do you work with um, mothers? How do you work with people that potentially are carers and, you know, have other responsibilities outside of work, but want to make, you know, their career a success? Looking at, um, you know, trying to connect them as well to external organisations. So I think it's really powerful when companies partner with the likes of net women and women in tech, because it means that, you know, automatically you're saying to that person at the top, you know, we may not have a mentor for you here. Who's another person on the board yet. We're looking to get there, but we want to give you a space where you can, you know, meet other people and grow, you know, your own professional development and feel confident. And I think it's really important then if they can't do it internally and, you know, we can't do everything internally. I think it's so important for people to recognize that and partner with agencies like women in tech, like um, net women and, you know, enable them to, you know, whether it's looking at you for kind of a mindset coaching session and paying for that, you know, out of their own pocket and, you know, paying for the membership with women in tech and enabling that person to have a mentor externally to the business. It's all about feeling supported. And I think that, you know, businesses as small or as big as they are, you know, businesses as with as little diversity, there's so much that they can do so easily to make people feel more included, even if they haven't got the um, mechanisms internally. Yeah. And a company can't do it all, let's face it. And that's why we're yeah. here as organizations. That's why we're here. Exactly. And, you know, companizations, they can't do all their recruitment themselves. And, you know, they do their own recruitment in a certain way. So, again, it's really important that they see the value of partnering. And I think that's probably, if we're looking at mindset, I think that's one of the things I struggled with the most. A lot of people see recruiters as, as baddies, as people who are against them, as people who aren't there just trying to help them. And, you know, offer a different perspective you know I'm here to say listen you're all doing a great job recruiting but let me just offer you a different perspective and get you some more diverse candidates and I'm trying to help your business do you know what I mean like and it's great that people have you know internal recruitment organizations but I think that you know sometimes they need to sort of lean on a specialist recruiter in order to get a different sort of service definitely definitely agree with that and I think it's important that organizations start looking at this kind of stuff because diversity inclusion and equality and equity should be all part of their plan going forward and this needs to be something that they need to put on a list of priorities and it should be one of the priorities on there purely because younger people who are starting to work for these organizations are not going to want to work for an organization that looks the same 
Exactly. And you've hit the nail on the head because I have spoke to so many people who have just graduated and diversity is one of the number one things of why people join it, along with things like, you know, sustainability and making sure, you know, the company are doing things that are, that are helping people. I think that it's a different mindset now. And this is what this new generation are looking for. And it's so important to start to get it right now. Absolutely. We are done with pale, male and stale, as I keep saying. <laughs> um, and organisations that hire like me are the ones that need to start looking at this kind of um, this, this programme, the initiatives that all companies like We Diversify and NetWomen are doing right now. And I think it's so important. It's part of their future and it's about, about their innovation as well and diversity of thought so important when you talk about mindset as well just give me an idea on you know mindset the the kind of things that you have faced because I remember when I did the chat on imposter syndrome for women in tech um that was something out of my comfort zone by the way because the powerpoint didn't work so I had to do a whole kind of flying by the seat of my pants kind of thing which was great uh managed to pull it off but from your point of view, Sarah, what, what kind of things have you had to overcome being a woman, yeah, being a woman in tech, being somebody who you even mentioned this earlier about, you know, being the teacher who was five foot two and all the teenagers were like towering over you and they're all boys. How do you, what were your thoughts during this and what kind of mindset? Just I you? think that I have had struggles with mindset probably just throughout the whole time. I remember just, you know, back to when I was teaching, I was 21. I'm really short as well. Um, and I just remember thinking, why would these people listen to me? What can I say to help them? But I think that, you know, as time goes on and, you know, you start to believe in yourself, you you understand the values that you're giving and you know I could see that you know these these children you know their grades were really improving I could see that you know they had different social backgrounds and you know they needed a bit of stability and a bit of support at school and I was able to offer them that and there were so many things that you know even as a 21 year old I could offer them and I do think you know Teach First is, is one of the most amazing organizations and I will you know I'm an ambassador for them I will always be an ambassador for them I think they're fantastic um, and I think probably the next time where I've had it was um, when I was at Accenture. I remember my boss, she, she, she was off for some reason. And all of a sudden I was 21 and I was going to this meeting with all of the board members from Shell. And I thought, oh my gosh, I was having to deliver a presentation. I thought I'm 22 years old. All these people are, you know, like the age of, you know, my parents. And I'm having to talk to them about ideas and change management plans and how we were going to implement a program. And it was kind of me stood there with a PowerPoint. And I just remember just I was so nervous and I thought, why would they listen to me? Um, but then once you talk and you start to give your ideas and you can see that, you know, your ideas are potentially things that maybe they haven't even thought about themselves and how it adds value and you start to embrace that conversation, then you start to see how they have, you know, add real value. And I think, you know, I even have it today, you know, I speak to clients and I'm talking to a CEO of a company or, you know, someone really senior and I'm kind of thinking you know well, why would they use me why do they want to talk to me and then you know once we're speaking and you know we're talking about different ideas you realize really the importance 
of diversity of thought really and how valuable it is and how much you can bring to a conversation but I think it's so normal for people to have what I will say a mindset wobble because I have it so much even every time I talk to a new client even now I have a mindset wobble with will they want to speak to me what can I what can I bring to the table am I am I faking it like are they going to find me out that whole imposter syndrome but then once you know you speak to people once you've kind of delivered a client and added some real value you've seen what you've done but it doesn't change the fact that that it's still there and I think that also you know I am a mother I've got two children a four-year-old and a one-year-old and you know I've had to coordinate for you know pickups from nursery and you know saying to people I can't speak now or I have to speak later or having a child that's in the back sort of crying because I've had to pick them up early and um, because they've been ill and you know, these things are really difficult to juggle. And you're thinking, you know, are people going to judge me? Are people going to judge me um, and my ability because I have all these other things going on? Yeah, and that is so true. And as women, I think we've been affected the most during the pandemic. How do you think that, you know, looking at what you're doing with, with you know, the expertise you have, how do you think it's affected women during the pandemic for you? I think there's there's kind of two ways to say this I mean the first side that I've seen is it has been so difficult a lot of women have had to kind of step in and be the teacher and the career lady and you know the mother and you know being reassuring because it's been really scary time for these kids especially you know the children who you know they haven't been able to see their friends for a year or the kids who are just learning to speak or to read and it's really trying to juggle and kind of feeling that element of guilt in all parties that you're just not good enough at anything that you you're not the best mother and you're not the best at work because you can't do it all but I do also think on the flip side that people have become a lot more human and so you know seeing a child on zoom is one of those things where I think three years ago if your child was to interrupt a meeting you know your boss would have had a strict word with you and said you know that's really not acceptable it's not professional whereas I think now people understand a lot more about the struggles that that mothers and that fathers face um and I, I think there is a lot more of a human aspect I think also you know the expectation to be in the office five days a week and to do what I call FaceTime, which is where you have to be seen to be the earliest there and the latest to leave, you know, in, in cultures like banking and insurance and things that are a bit more sort of old hat. I think those things are slowly starting to, to drift away and you can see that it is possible to actually leave your work at three o'clock, pick your child up from school, log back in at six. Um, and I think that is great. Um, I've actually got a friend of mine who's in insurance and recently had a baby and I remember like pre-pandemic thinking about it and you know she was working really late so she would kind of have to go in before the markets opened at sort of seven and she was leaving at seven and to do that with a child you, you wouldn't see them all day you know you'd miss them in the morning you'd miss them in the evening and it was one of those things where you know there isn't much compromise but I think now seeing that people can work from home and people can work flexibly I do think that it's going to have Um, a bit of an improvement and I think if that is sort of one silver lining to take away from this really horrible hard few years um, that will be something that I think is really great for diversity. Yeah I absolutely agree with that I think that there's an element of there's a lot of things that we as women do that often 
is taken for granted. And I think we have probably been the ones that have been furloughed and been made redundant, et cetera, and lost the jobs just during this time. So yeah. just quit because I realized that actually I've got a bigger job to do at home than I have. And I just can't do this anymore, which is also understandable. Um, yeah. And then on the flip side, um, I spoke to a lady actually, I think it was about two months ago and she'd been out of work. So she was out of work um, before the pandemic. She took some time off to be with her family. And then obviously the pandemic hit. So she'd then been out of work for about two years and she was really struggling. She was struggling to get back into work. An unbelievable woman. She had a great career, so clever, so knowledgeable, a lovely lady as well, really good person you could trust. She's loyal. Everything that you would want in a colleague, that was her. And she was really struggling. She was struggling. She was having interview after interview. Um, she was having, I think the worst thing about interviews is when people don't give you feedback and don't give you honest feedback. So she wasn't getting anywhere because she wasn't hearing anything. And um, I connected with her actually about a role that I had. Um, and it turned out that it wasn't the right role for her, but I actually helped her and I did a bit of coaching with her, which is something I've never done before. I'm not a qualified coach at all. But I said to her, listen, I can hear from when I've interviewed you, you sound really nervous. And I'm not sure why, because you've done all these amazing things. And I sort of coached her through the interview process, even though, you know, she wasn't my candidate. She was going for roles that you know weren't with me it was with other recruiters um but I could see that you know she'd really lost her confidence through you know being out for so long and I think that's where you know places like you know Netwomen where we diversify where women in tech really really add value because you know we can really help people get back into the workplace and back to understanding how valuable they really are um but I think sometimes people struggle to a you know think about that and sort of find that and then be to um reach out and ask for help yeah but I have seen it so much where people have just really lost their confidence through lockdown and and not being out of work and just feeling like they've they've missed out on kind of two years of their career where their colleagues have advanced them yeah purely because of the situation which is not yeah, not everybody is a mother or a father. Not everybody has to be a carer or, you know, some people have, you know, everyone has different struggles, definitely. But some people, you know, were able to sort of get on and, and progress with their career and didn't have, you know, other things going on for them to think about. And, you know, they're at a different stage of their career. And it, I think it did lead to a whole sort of kind of mindset shift for people who are out of work. And I think it has been really, really hard. Yeah, definitely. What would you say to an organization that hires just like me? What kind of three, maybe three tips would you give and, uh, and tell them if they were doing this right now? I would tell them that in order to move forward, they just need to take their first step and understand that yes you're not diverse at the moment but you can be and you can lean on to so many external agencies who can help you so whether that is you know connecting with external mentorship programs and supporting people but I think the most important thing is you look at the studies that really show um, how much diversity can help um, 
you know, with their bottom line and their profit and how, how it can really help to excel their business. And then that's the first start. And I think, you know, your first hire is going to be your most important start. But once you've kind of got over that curve and over that hill, then it will continue to flow. And I think that, you know, what's really important is understanding it's not a tick box. It's not saying we're diverse. It's understanding what it means to be diverse, why it's important and where people can add value to your organization and how. Great advice. And finally, before we finish, I love asking this question. What advice would you give to your younger self? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, what advice? Yeah, I'd give myself so much advice. I mean, I think I would, I would tell myself to... I tell myself not to give up. I think there's been a lot of times where I have really struggled and I've thought, is this for me? Can I do it? Can I, can I be a mum? Can I work? And I would say, follow whatever feels right. If it is something that feels right, just go for it. And I think that also I would tell myself that there is no harm in failure and feeling like a failure because I think through failing and doing things wrong, that's where you learn and you know you can only be a better version of yourself when you learn and you reflect on things that have gone wrong and I look at kind of where I have been I look at where I am now and I think that you know I've probably made so many mistakes to get here and I wouldn't have got here without making the mistakes and also taking so many leaps of faith and you know changing from teaching to consulting to recruitment I think that you know gone are the days of doing one job where you're not happy and try and explore new things and you can always go backwards you know if I find in five years I want to go back to teaching I won't be ashamed to do that um but right now you know this is the right case for me and I'm really hoping you know, that we can together make a huge impact on diversity and help to support so many women, so many, you know, people of different ethnicities, disabilities, really kind of find their feet and find their voice within tech and just kind of progress in their career. Love it. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's been absolutely brilliant to have you on. So many great tips, so much advice. Our listeners are going to love this. Um, so I look forward to speaking to you very soon and look forward to seeing you tonight at our speed networking event. Yes, I'm very excited. So if anybody's listening to this now, join us because I think it's so great. You know, I, you know, I work on my own and I'm so excited to just be able to meet and speak to lots of different people and get more perspectives. And, you know, I'm sure it will enhance um, my own business and also, you know, enable me to think about things in a different angle as well. So I'm really looking forward to it. And if anyone's listening, um, our Women in Tech and Net Women joint collaborative event is on the last Tuesday of every month at 6 p.m. UK time for one hour. That's all it is. But it just means you get to connect, be supported, inspire each other. And also, you never know who you're going to meet. So making those opportunities happen that might not be within your current network. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. So that's our episode done. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate your support. Email us if you'd like to feature or if you have any ideas at all at hello at netwomen.co. That's .co, not co.uk. You can help us by donating to our foundation, which supports women who've been in toxic situations at work, bullying, harassment or discrimination, or just by sponsoring us. 
You can let us know what you think, leave a review, share and tweet us at NetWomenCo and find us on Instagram and Facebook just by searching NetWomen. Also head to our website for our latest blogs and updates at www.netwomen.co. Thank you for listening. Bye.